Now, all three of those, you can, again, start practicing in your communications with patients, in your communications with students, with colleagues, and with those in leadership roles above you so that you're prepared when you're a leader. Love it. Welcome back to the Faculty Factory Podcast. I'm Kim Skorupski at the Johns Hopkins Office of Faculty Development, and today we're so pleased to have back Dr. Wendy Ward. Hi, Wendy. Hi. Wendy is a professor and the Director of Interprofessional Faculty Development and the Associate Director of Professional Wellness at the University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences. She's been sharing her great uh, 10 Tips series for early career professionals. What do you have lined up for us today, Wendy? Well, today I thought we'd talk about leadership skills, 10 things early career professionals can do to build leadership skills before their first leadership role. Awesome. So tip number one, active listening. Now, I know that sounds uh, pretty simplistic, and really many of us have thought about that in terms of patient-centered care. However, active listening can really be an asset when you're in a leadership role, trying to really understand what someone is communicating to you. And to, sh- and to show that you're really hearing them can be essential to moving forward in a conflict or difference of opinion or trying to build a collaboration. So active listening would be very key. Number two is to wait before sending that email. So many of us, when we're um, very fast paced and trying to respond to things, it's easy to rip off a response to something, particularly something that's created an emotion. So worry or anxiety or um, anger related to whatever it was you received in your inbox. But I'd suggest to you, go ahead and draft it, but just save it. Save it in your drafts. Give it a few hours, maybe a day, and reread it and revise so that you can better control the messaging that you're putting out there. And that can um, be really useful now, but also down the road. I love that that one because sometimes when I want to, you know, fire off an email that's basically saying, what, what are you talking about? Or or being angry or uber defensive. I always do the same thing. Similar, I take a deep breath. And then I I always ask myself, if this email were to get into the hands of my dean, how would I feel about it? And then oftentimes I'll be like, yeah, okay, maybe I don't have to be that angry or that snotty. Or So I'll always ask myself that question when I'm feeling my, my temper, and then remind myself that, okay, emails can get forwarded. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They, they are discoverable. So being extra careful can really go a long way to protect you now, but also you as a leader down the road. Right. No, number three is empathy. So empathy, of course, is not just active listening and hearing what someone's saying, but connecting with them on an emotional level understanding their perspective, their emotional perspective, uh, that that particular skill, um, when honed, can really be useful in a variety of situations as a leader. But you can practice it with patients, with students and other trainees, with colleagues uh, throughout your day, and just get very good at connecting with people on that emotional level, in addition to the active listening that we talked about earlier. Number Four is maintaining some flexibility. So I know my schedule, when I look at it in the beginning of the day, I'm supposed to do A, B, C, D, and E, and in that order. And what happens is it gets out of order or new things um, come on my plate that I have to deal with. 
and the schedule is all out of whack. And really trying to roll with that instead of resist can go a long way to reducing stress, but also um, to modeling um, being a good leader. So when unexpected things happen, policies, procedures, or events, to really be flexible uh, and to try and roll with it with a smile can be a really helpful strategy that you can practice now. Number five, practicing a succinct presentation. So everyone talks about the need to practice uh, an elevator speech. So if you get in the elevator and the dean or the chancellor's there, how you can succinctly tell them who you are in the organization and what's special about you. And that's a super helpful first start. However, those succinct conversations can happen in other ways too. When you're debriefing a case with a student, when you're uh, trying to sum up uh, all of the data that you have assessed in a patient and what your treatment plan is. Getting really comfortable and pulling a lot of information together and very succinctly stating it in a way that's easy for the other person to understand is a very useful tool as a leader. Number six is also tailoring that communication to your audience. So if you're in the elevator with the dean, it might be a different conversation than if you were with a colleague in another department or a patient. So understanding how the audience can really impact the type of message, the word choice, and the content of what you're trying to say. And in fact, if you're thinking along those lines and you're in a situation where you're trying to persuade someone or get them to agree or jump on board with something that you're proposing, there are three ways to do that. One is a logical appeal. That's using data and to project the impact of your solution or your um, proposed scenario, the impact on the data of that. So some people really uh, are swayed by logical appeals. Mm -hmm. There's also emotional appeals. Other people really um, are swayed by the meaning behind what you're doing and what you're proposing and its uh, importance to people and their emotions. And so having an emotional appeal sometimes is more appropriate. And then the third way is a cooperative appeal, really trying to show this is good for your, you and your group. This is good for me and my group. Together, we can do it more efficiently and effectively. Those kind of cooperative appeals can be really uh, helpful as a leader. Now, all three of those, you can, again, start practicing in your communications with patients, in your communications with students, with colleagues, and with those in leadership roles above you so that you're prepared when you're a leader. Love it. Number seven is building relationships. Now, this is the most fun of my 10 tips because making friends and having friendly conversations is fun. But we know as leaders, sometimes if you need information about uh, an issue in another group, you call a friend and they can share with you what's happening over there. Or if you need to build a collaborative team and you need someone from a certain group who you know you can work well with, you lean on those friends in order to do so. So having those relationships prepare you for a collaborative approach to leadership down the line. Number eight is honesty. Honesty about what you know. We call that transparency in a leadership situation. Mm -hmm. And then being honest about what you don't know. And uh, at the same time of being open and honest about those two things, also remaining to remembering to keep your confidences. And it's okay to say, I can't divulge the person or I can't divulge more specifics at this time because of protecting confidentiality. So you're transparent that you're holding something back because of a good reason. Mm -hmm. uh, and so 
honesty and that approach towards transparency would be uh, a really important skill. Number nine is practicing difficult conversations, large and small. And it's really pulling together all those earlier tips with active listening and empathy and preparing for the presentation and thinking about your audience, all of those things um, uh, ahead of this one. And then just practicing it over and over in easy situations, but also in difficult ones to practice keeping your cool, to staying focused to um, preparing well ahead of time so you can have success in those difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. And and then number 10 is to be self-aware, to know when you did it well, and to reflect on wanting to continue to use those approaches that were successful, but also to know when you didn't do it well. And let's face it, we're all trying to be better leaders, right? And to build these leadership skills. And so when you don't do it well, be kind to yourself in your self-reflection. We're not perfect. None of us are. But to be aware of the things you maybe could have done differently or do better next time and then be mindful of that the next time you approach a similar situation and give it a try. And that will help you have increasing success uh, over time. I love that last one, especially. I like, I always try to ask my inner circle, my tribe in certain scenarios, hey, what Tell me one thing that I could have done better or, you know, what one thing might I tweak and that would help me reflect on my, you know, opportunities for you know, improving. And and sometimes it's hard for me to, it's hard for us to reflect on, you know, something we do poorly or how, what we intend to communicate and its ultimate impact on others. So inviting other people to have that um you know, giving them permission to give you feedback sometimes helps in that honest appraisal. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That was a great list, Wendy. Really, really great. Preparing for the first leadership position, things to keep in mind. So folks, um, again, this was Dr. Wendy Ward. She's a professor and as you can tell, background clinical psychologist. So uh, lots of great information here, things to think about. Thank you so much, Wendy. Oh, you're welcome. Happy to be here. All right, folks, tune into the Faculty Factory podcast, and I'm sure we're going to have Dr. Wendy Ward back sometime because she's got these great 10 tips in various topics. Until next time, talk to you all later. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. The mission of the Faculty Factory is to build and support a community of leaders in faculty development who share tools, resources, wisdom, and encouragement in service to our faculty members, schools, and institutions. We encourage you to go to facultyfactory.org to find out more, get in touch with me, ask me any questions. Maybe you want to be interviewed on the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Faculty Factory Podcast. We'll see you next time. The Faculty Factory Podcast and website is sponsored by the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine Office of Faculty. For more information, visit facultyfactory.org.